Why are you always sad in your thumbnails? Oh, gosh. Bankroll Coffee, how did that come about? That was a subscriber's idea, believe it or not. Really? But we sold out in a few hours, and I think the total sales is like $110,000. Of coffee? coffee. Yeah. My most expensive homes that I've sold were both from Craigslist, believe it or not. One was $5.5 million. From Craigslist? From Craigslist. The other one was $8 million to an A-list actor. Can you say who the actor was? Oh, you know what? Uh, And then you've got the iced coffee hour. How much money do you make doing that? This (laughs) May 15th, 2020, $311,983. And 47 cents. What about your original channel? Oh, the lifetime revenue of that? Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Hey, Andy. How are you? I'm great. You always look like you look so cute today. Is that okay? Can I say that? Isn't that what Grant Cardone called you? No, he said something way weirder to me. (laughs) He said he was going to flow me. Like, you watch the Zoom we did with him? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Like, I couldn't really understand. I think he was on the road or something. And then in front of the entire company, Grant Cardone says, Sirhan, I want to flow you. And it (laughs) it didn't sound like flow. And all of a sudden, I see the chat thing start going up. And agents are emailing and texting me like, what did he just say? He's like, dude, we're going to flow each other. (laughs) He's like, I'm going for it. What would be your couple names? I think there's a slang term that he was going off of that maybe we just don't understand in New York about like, we're gonna flow, like we're keeping with the flow, dude. We're gonna flow. We're gonna flow. We're gonna flow each other hard, you know. Like that was, I don't know. That was. I'm new. sure that went well. Yeah. It's like in New York, we have a lot of weird terms. It's like when we call the temperature when it's cold out, it's brick. To me, who, who says that? You've never heard. You've been. How long have you been in New York? What, I'm like nine times your age. Is this <laughs> something you, that? Are you Gen Alpha? Are you the new generation? I think I'm Gen Z. I like. Fully I think Gen my Z. daughter is Gen Alpha. Maybe she's well, three. I, how old are you? I'm, 23 so we're 20 oh, years apart yeah you'd think so <laughs> got it got it got it got how's it. your week been though the week is good week is good it just started and we have a great guest today we do we have a great guest should we bring him in absolutely i know i've known this wait <laughs> i've known this guy for quite some time so have i I've, what i, I, I know was, him better than you this is not a competition I but i should more. win yeah <laughs> i've watched all his videos have you i have all of them i think most of them honestly like Maybe I'm like a week and a half. Behind what time of day do you watch them though? Because that depends on the type of person you are. Oh no, I'm I'm telling you, I was talking to him earlier and I told him to my generation, he yeah. is like the Bill Nye the Science Guy of financial education. Oh. He's the reason I have a Roth IRA. Oh yeah! Wow yeah! That's why you're so. That's why you're so cute today. <laughs> Honestly, <and adorable>. Roth <laughs> IRA. That makes me feel like a grandpa. No, it's good. No, he's he's been <laughs> massive. We met initially. I think he was. Um, I was doing YouTube and we met in. Uh, uh, I think his boss's apartment in LA, right? One of the Oppenheim guys' apartments. We went in and we did this thing. And I think I just started the vlog or something. And it was early on. It was crazy, nuts. So it's total, total throwback. So um, uh, why don't we bring him in? Yeah, come on in. Our next guest <laughs> is now going to walk right in front of my camera view. There. Um, uh, he started his real estate career at the ripe age of 18 mm-hmm. years old. 18. Yeah. Graham Stiffen is a finance creator. I said your name right, right? Stefan. Yes, Graham Stefan. Stefan. Oh, he just looked at me like you fucking. <laughs> Our producer behind us is just making faces. Graham Stefan is a finance creator making over $4 million a year on AdSense alone. It's probably more now, but when we made this, that's what it is. Graham obviously is no longer an agent. Uh, he gave that up. We're going to talk about that. But is now a host of the Iced 
Coffee Hour podcast. And speaking of coffee, he's mm -hmm. also the owner of Bankroll Coffee, which he gave to us when we were with him in Las Vegas, and it was awesome, and we all drank it, so thank you for that. Um, today, we're going to dive into how Graham got here, why he is always sad in his thumbnails, <laughs> and how he is building a real business through products, courses, and of course, media um, the financial guru to today's generation, Graham Stefan. Welcome to Business wow. of Influence. Who, who wrote that? Who wrote that? <laughs> Not it's me. Original. Not me. Wow. <laughs> he just thought about it. You funny. have a lot of super fans that are in this room Chat right GPT now. GPT wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. I actually just started using that for my listings and everything. Really? Really? No, 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 no. It's all original. It's I'm a great agent. <laughs> are you? No AI. I got it. Dude, we're Gosh. all going to start using everything we're yeah. going to do. Like, why think? Why try? Like that's what all this AI stuff makes me think of. Like why, why would I ever try? Like why should any kid know how to write with a pen anymore? It's like true. It's you need to learn how to ask it questions. Yeah. There's a learning curve to learning how to do it because you have to ask the right question to get the right answer back. Right. So they'll start teaching classes on how to ask ChatGPT different questions to right. get what you want. Right. It's gonna Wild. be like yeah. a prompt school. Yeah. Basically. Right. Yeah. So wait a minute before we get started um, and really dive into it. Why are you always sad in your thumbnails? Oh, gosh. They grab my attention, I though. Know. I'm always like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? So I, I double tap your face all the time because I'm like, I got to fix them. I got to fix them. It's funny because I try to do normal thumbnails and they don't work. Really? I, seriously. <laughs> We've done back-to-back -back testing where I'm smiling in a thumbnail and it'll get a third of the views. And I'm sitting with Jack or Alex and we're like, oh, man, let's just throw a sad face on there. And I do it and instantaneously. You'll see the chart of views just like spike upwards oh as soon as I do the face. And so from that perspective, it's like I would be a bad business person if I don't do what reaches the most amount of people. And it's the sad, uh, just depressed faces. But it's like that's what people click on. Like who am I Misery to disagree with company. the results? Yeah, the Internet just loves sadness. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. So I, I do what works. If, if that's what the algorithm and people click on, I will <laughs> lean into it. I mean, you have to. Do you spend as much time thinking about thumbnails as like the Mr. Beasts of the world who no, not, talk about it all the time? Uh, not to that degree. Mr. Beast will spend, I think he, I heard him say he spends $10,000 a thumbnail on average. I know he'll spend days or sometimes weeks. He'll not even post videos if he doesn't have the right thumbnail. I'm not that uh, meticulous about it, but I will spend hours and sometimes I'll think about thumbnails for days. Yeah. Um, like there was one we did for Boxable and I was just thinking of like, what could be a good thumbnail for probably almost a week. Uh, and then we just came up with something. And a lot of it is just playing around in Photoshop and like looking at it, zooming out. Does that catch my attention? If the answer is no, does I keep redoing it and redoing it and redoing it and getting multiple opinions. Yeah. 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 That's so it works. So would you say that, for example, my thing on TikTok is I have to basically scream. And sometimes I get really overwhelmed. I'm like, hey, guys, look at this apartment. And it's like, oh, that's with short form. Would you say it's kind of similar with long form as YouTube? Do you have to be as energetic? You do. Uh, what's weird is that when you're on camera, it takes your energy and it just takes it down by like half. So you have to be double the normal energy just to seem normal on camera. And so that's why a lot of people are animated. Like it helps to move your hands. Like the more motion that goes on the better just for retention so you have to be a little bit more like that that's so true so i used to be a music video director and we used to tell everyone everything you do on camera is going to seem 20 percent of what you give your 100 percent. so you gotta yeah. go extra and you're, you're an actor hold on hold on you how could you used to be anything 
You're well, so young. Do you not like, know you this part about me? No, you can't be as young as you are and be like, well, in my past career, <laughs> my last life, <laughs> I used to wrangle with lions. Yeah, yeah. I used to do music videos. I did it for a bunch of like really big people. I did Rick Ross. I worked with um, the Bad Bunny crew. Wow. I worked with. And you retired from that though, right? I did. I did. I retired. He's Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah. He's actually <laughs> eighty. I got burned out after four years of working production life because it's it's hard. Yeah. You're working twelve hour days outside in Florida sun because that's where I was living. Right. Ugh. A but. burnout at twenty one is you know that's tough. <laughs> yeah. right? well, it was it was a career change. <laughs> that's right. how I ended up here doing real estate. Okay. I burnt out. <laughs> so wait, so let's tough. take it back. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think a lot of people know your origin story, but I, I'd love to hear it fresh from you. We're sitting here. We're in New York City, Soho. You and I just toured a $250 million apartment Which together. Crazy. Thanks for coming and taking yeah. a look at it. I'm, I'm glad I got the developer to give us the approval for that. I'm honored. So that you can be Seriously. here. Seriously. You're so, going to see a depressed you know, face. No, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be the building. You're going to be like, <laughs> so oh, sad. I can't afford <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> double click. Double click. So wait, so, so yeah. take us back where you're from, everything, like, and get us up to I'm going to start creating content. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Los Angeles, and I had terrible grades in high school, but I loved working. And for me, really my bad grades started when I got a part-time job. I was like 12, 13 years old, yeah. and it was at a marine aquarium wholesaler. And my parents would pick me up from school and just drop me off there, sometimes for a few hours. And I was just obsessed with fish and coral. And so I would take pictures of their fish. At first, I got the job because I just wanted to see what a warehouse was like. And just, I started taking pictures and I'd post them on these forums online. And just through networking through those groups, he invited me in and it really was, I wouldn't call it a job in the very beginning, but I would go in and he said, you know, if you want to help out and... I got paid in fish and coral in the very beginning. So if I was like you were making paid in fish and coral. Wow. Yeah. So wow. when you're 12 or 13, like you'd be able to get like, you know, wholesale prices too. So I'd like work an hour and work, but like make boxes or like, yeah, you know, yeah. move things around. I get like a blue tang. And that was so cool. Or like, you know, a piece of coral and stuff. So I continued doing that. But once I started making money, uh, it ruined the school experience for me because I just wanted to go and make money and yeah. I just I enjoyed working and so when I was sitting in a math class I was like oh man this math class is costing me X amount of time because I could be going and working I just loved it when you were like 13 uh, probably at that point where I actually started making money was like probably 14 or 15 what so was like the first like business freshman sophomore high school yeah yeah well that was that was I was paid a dollar for every picture I f uh, took and then photoshopped so like they had a website yeah. And so it was my responsibility every Tuesday and Thursday they got shipments and then I would come in on Friday or the day afterwards and just take pictures of every piece of inventory that came in, Photoshop it, and I'd send it off to be put on their site. Got it. And so I got paid a dollar for every picture I, I took in Photoshop. So, Classic. Uh, yeah, so I would be able to do in like a good night maybe like 100 pictures if I stayed late. And so yeah. it was like $100. So I just thought all my time at school should be spent just taking pictures. Taking photos. Yeah. And getting but, yeah. So they would pay you a dollar for every photo, but they would also give you fish? No, no, gosh, no. Oh, this it's is later. One or the other, but everything I did buy, a lot of it went back into buying more fish and coral. Okay. But it was wholesale prices. So, like, if you saw a $50 fish at the store, we would be able to get it for like 15 nice. So I was able to well, get fish like. Fish are expensive. Coral, yeah. much more. Yeah. I, we talked about this. I, I used to be the president of the Marine Biology Club in my high school. Really? I'm obsessed with the ocean. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my dream is to have a massive tank in my home. Yeah. Do you have one now? I, I do, actually. He it's does. 310 gallons. Like right when you walk in, he's got quite right the tank. There. Yeah. That's beautiful. The so, yeah, prices wow. are way more so expensive. expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, because I didn't get good grades in high school, I. Uh, 
I kind of screwed myself out of college and my parents wanted me to go to college and go some, you know, I don't know what they wanted from me, but uh, they de definitely wanted me to go to school. And uh, I figured, well, everyone else is going to school. It's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. But I didn't get in because my grades were terrible because I just didn't care. You're trying to go to college in California and just stay close to home? Or? Yeah. I mean, I thought I wanted to go to Pepperdine. I just because it was it seemed like such a nice area. I knew nothing about the school, to be honest with you. I just said, like, oh, it's in Malibu. That's got to be nice. I had no idea how to pay for it. My parents couldn't afford it. No one could afford it. Yeah. I didn't think that far in advance. I was like, I'm going to go there. So it was the only school I applied to, and I didn't get in. And I thought, well, you know, now I have this time, and you know, I, I, I want to do something with investing. And I just thought, you know, maybe I just get my real estate license. And immediately... As I was studying to get my license, I'd go to open houses every Sunday, just meet agents, and I'd always walk in. I just ask, like, "Hey, I, I'm getting my license. Can you give me any advice? What do you recommend? How do I get started?" Almost every agent was discouraging, uh, but one agent, like after months of doing this, every single Sunday was really nice, and we talked for probably two hours. And he got his real estate license too when he was 18, and he just said, "Well, you know, if you want to help me out." Um, just show up at my office and we'll see what we could do. Nice. And so it turned out that uh, he allowed me to go and like, you know, obviously get my license, but but sit his open houses, uh, take on all of his clients that like, you know, the, the inquiries, you get probably hundreds of emails. You don't have time or like you have an open, he would have a booklet. So many, so many Of emails. people who signed in the open houses from like a year or two ago. And he's yeah. like, just call these people. They See if they're, they're still there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so I just sat there and it was like, you know, he'd give me these people and I'd just start calling them like, hey, we're just at this open house. What did you think of it? Um, he'd have me sit at his open houses. I did anything I could. And any business we had in the beginning, we just split 50-50. And so I would bring him a lot of leases because he had these, it was at the peak of the market, like 2008 is when I started, just as it was like starting to go down. Very few homes were selling, so a lot of the places were leasing, and yeah. I got really into leases. And I found this niche on Craigslist where I would post the leases in my office on Craigslist, and I'd take pictures of them because I knew how to like take good pictures. And no agents in the office were taking pictures of lease listings because they'd lose money on them. Like the commissions would be a, a grand, maybe $2,000 at the most, and the photography would be a few hundred dollars. It just wasn't worth their time. So I would do it for free, yeah. give them the pictures in exchange for them allowing me to post the listings on Craigslist. And so if they leased it, it was free. They got free photography. But if I leased it, I could represent the tenant. And they get paid too. So it was like a win-win. So I started putting all these lease listings on Craigslist. And that's how I built my entire business was just from leases. And I was shocked at the amount of people that looked on Craigslist to uh, to find a place to lease. Yeah, and that was, was the place. That's where I started too. Was, yeah. Was rental listings on Craigslist and posting things all over For me it was Midtown, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how you can actually move and sell properties. People who are buying million-dollar properties are on TikTok. That, that yeah. was Craigslist in the past. They're out there, and you honestly just got to use your free resources and do what you're yeah. doing. My most expensive homes that I've sold were both from Craigslist, believe it or not. One really? was $5.5 million, and that was 2011, and that place now has to be worth like fifteen. Um, and the other one from was... From Craigslist. From Craigslist. The other one was $8 million to an A-list actor from Craigslist. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Can you say That's, who the actor was? Yeah. I, oh, you know what? Uh, was it public? I, yeah, you know what? Orlando Bloom. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Orlando but Bloom it, is just like Pirates of the Caribbean so, okay. and is on Craigslist looking for $8 million houses? In fairness. He <laughs> was not in fair, He was not on Craigslist. Okay. But I ended up doing a lease 
to someone who works very close to him gotcha. from Craigslist. So okay. he leased a place, came back to me two years later and says, someone I work with wants to buy a property. And oh, that's awesome. how the deal came about. Nice. So your first, say, $5,000 you ever made in your entire life, was this from real estate? Probably would have been from the fish place. <laughs> okay. Uh, give or take, it might have been less. Okay. How many photos? Five thousand yeah. photos, dude. <laughs> Probably. I mean, 5, I would usually, photos. I would do about, a, I don't know, eighty to a hundred and something photos a week. Yeah. I would stay late one night. Over time, you yeah, just crush it. Load them up. But uh, in the background, though, I'd watch YouTube videos. Like I was obsessed with just watching YouTube. And uh, did you have any favorites, like early creators that you liked? I watched like, all the prank channels, like yeah. by Smosh. Cali and yeah, Smosh a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched all like the degenerate prank videos, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, but 2011 came around, and this YouTuber Rob Dom posted a video about how he bought a Lamborghini Diablo, and how what like what he did for a living to afford it, and how much it costs. And I was like intrigued by this video. I was like, someone has a Lamborghini on YouTube, and they're telling us how they did it, and what, like business advice. This is insane, and no one else is doing it. And that just got the idea in my head that like this is a whole audience right now. That if I'm wishing there's content out there on YouTube like this, like someone else has to be doing it. But I thought like, who would listen to me? Uh, you know, I'm a nobody, this guy is a Lamborghini. <laughs> and back then, the threshold for YouTube was you had to have a Lamborghini. It was like a Lamborghini <laughs> in the background. You needed that views. in the thumbnail. You had to, but those were the videos that were getting like at the time, like 100,000 views, which was yeah. a ton for what YouTube. What year was this? 2011, 2012. Okay, was this like Ty Lopez era? No, this is before Ty Lopez. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so before that whole thing. Do you know who that guy is? Yeah, we dealt with him a little bit, you know, years and years ago. What happened to that guy? Anyway, we can get know. to it. Yeah, anyway. Um, we actually had him on the podcast, yeah, his coffee hour recently. Oh, really? Yeah, he's making a comeback. Oh, yeah, damn. Very interesting guy. Yeah. I recommend you check it out. But um, <laughs> Businessman right here. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe. But um, And we'll give you a picture of this tiny mouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the chameleon. How about the chameleon? Show, show him a, a baby chameleon. I think I saw you did yeah. like a bunny one. I thought that was Probably. Funny. I just yeah. come up with random stuff. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so for years, I just, I kept getting scared of putting myself out there on YouTube. And I thought like, what if people don't like me? What if like someone leaves a dislike? I would just embarrass myself. And after years of doing that, I just thought if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And so I made a video at an open house during a really, really slow day in December of 2016. And I just told my story about how I got into real estate, like similar to what we did here, except just like in 20 minutes. Yeah. And I had no, I was filmed it on my iPhone, by the way. Nice. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? And I just learned iMovie going on YouTube. Like, how do I edit for free? I, I just, you know, did the basics in terms of like what I thought people would, would click on or want to see. And I posted it. I loved it. It was so much fun. And then I went to Reddit and like joined all these communities on like uh, investing, financial independence, YouTube. And I just, I tried to network on there and I met a few people and we just back and forth to emails of like strategies. And then I think a few months in one video just started like getting views all of a sudden. It was a, it was a recommended next up video to Ty Lopez. Oh. He, he posted a real estate video and then all of a sudden mine yeah. was like the next up. So I was getting the feed off from Ty Lopez. Yeah, he was the lead in. Yeah. And once I think there was a day there where I made like $170 in a day. And that was more exciting to me than like closing a commission because totally. this like internet money is different. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I could be anywhere in the world and it's $170. And, yeah. yeah. And it was from a video I posted a while ago. I'm like the fact that it's still generating. And so at that point I thought, well, every video I post like a little property that I could post online. And I was like, well, if each video just does an average of $1 a day and I post a thousand videos, a thousand dollars a day. And I just kind of went with that 
but I had so much fun just making videos and expanding and then it just I could never have imagined to be here that's literally crazy yeah that's wild I, I, I was really interested to realize that I mean you obviously picked finance because that was what you liked mm -hmm. but it is talking about the money it is one of the highest CPMs on YouTube correct yeah there's higher there's Shopify there's drop shipping Amazon FBA those are like 60 to hundred dollar CPM so if you really? could explain CPM a little bit to the people who don't know could you yeah. explain what that is and just yeah it just means the amount of money that you get paid for every thousand views that you get and it's basically based on keywords that advertisers bid for and so a lot of it's just ROI. So like what the value of the person watching is worth to an advertiser if they're willing to pay for that um, acquisition. So for like Shopify, let's just say, or like, you know, someone's doing like an Amazon FBA or whatever it is, they'll pay a lot of money because there's not a lot of overhead for that versus something else where it's like, let's just say, uh, you know, shoes, the, the, the customer acquisition has to be way lower if they're going to be profitable. So for finance products or anything money related, you could you could take a loss up front knowing that the lifetime value of the customer could be you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars. So when did you really shift into um, talking to people about their finances and then being really public about your own? Oh, that's I think, scary. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> that's that's like a that's a pretty key moment as I think about kind of your career as a as a creator, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of content to commerce side of the business because you became really, really authentic and started talking about your own portfolio and so people could really relate to you. I mean, this kid got a Roth IRA because of you because yeah. he trusted you to do it. I trusted a stranger on the internet. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, not financial advice. <laughs> That's true. That's but, they always uh, say that. <laughs> no, I, well, in the beginning, I just made videos that I wished I could see and that I was like, I, just the topics that I was personally into. So I thought like a Roth IRA, this is something like none of my friends have a Roth IRA. They've never talked about this before. I find it really interesting. So yeah. I'm just going to talk to YouTube about it and like share the basics of like how it's broken down and why you should do it and what the benefit is. Uh, so I just started with the basics that I wish that I could could have watched. Uh, and then as far as like opening up about my own finances, there was a video from this guy. I think it was Street Speed 717 who posted a video years prior to me. Good old Street about, Speed 717. He, listen, he paved the way. He was one of the first people to show his, he break down his AdSense. And I think he was making $36,000 a month or something Was this like a big guy? I don't think I've ever heard of him. He might have been big a while. I, I've not watched his content in a while, but that was one of the videos back then. Okay. I mean, we're talking like 20... 15, I think he posted this video. Okay. He broke down his AdSense. I was like, that is so interesting. I'm going to do that on mine. And I broke down the AdSense, I think, after I, I got one viral video or, or something like that. Uh, but I, I've done it, you know, pro, pro, you know, in small increments along the way. But when I did that one video, I think a year and a half in, I think that that month was like 110 grand after I had one video take off. And uh, people really enjoyed it. And I just started being open about it. So there are, you know, pros and cons. I mean, the con that like you could just look online and it's there like a chance I made a video on it but I do feel like that transparency is interesting I think people really uh, find it valuable if it's done in the right way sure how much of it do you think is people watching you for the ooh and the ah and the aspirational kind of style or and then mixed with okay I'm not going to go to college screw med school like my parents want me to do I'm not going to go do this I'm going to be you if you can do that I can do it look how much yeah. money he makes yeah I mean, I, I kind of took that approach myself, even with real estate. I'm like, look at how successful these people are. Like, I could do that too. And same thing on YouTube. I saw other people doing it. I'm like, I could do it too. So I very much followed that exact path. I think a lot of, in terms of my own audience, so 
it's it's very fragmented like some people only subscribe for credit cards some people only uh investing other people only real estate uh so it's like these little pockets now over like six something years that you know it's not a broad audience anymore it's it's kind of broken up a little bit but i think generally people are just i i want to say it's probably got to be like 70 percent entertainment 30 percent like education mixed in because otherwise no one's going to watch it if it's too boring yeah yeah, no, it is entertaining. Um, uh, how do you plan out your videos and you plan out your content? And yeah. how big is your team? Yeah, so the team is pretty much all here. Jack over there, Alex over there. We got uh, Andrew who uh, helps edit. But that's it. That's the whole team. We run really lean. Uh, the office is in the house. Yeah. Uh, the filming we do is in the house. So it's like you know, everything is within a small confines. Well, like when right you first there. started, your studio was also in your house, and it, it was, was my garage. Your garage, right? Yeah, it was dilapidated. Your car was in the background, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a dilapidated <laughs> garage, and I fixed it up. It was, like, caving in in the middle, and so, like, I reinforced <laughs> it, and I built it out specifically because I wanted a cool place to film. So for people who are just starting yeah. out, do you think the set is very important for them? Or? Extremely. Yeah. I noticed a huge difference when I had that set. So what would you say makes a set really attractive for the YouTube audience? Um... Blue. Blue. <laughs> I, I worry with this, I would say depth is something that's really important. I wish with this you had this, if this were further away, I think sure. it would be cooler this like on this side and have like- It's like we were doing our questions at CPT earlier. Exactly. Like that depth of that room is like, oh yeah. wow, what's going on in there? Because yeah, if someone's, if someone's gonna listen, it doesn't really matter, but if they watch, it needs to be visually appealing. And so there needs to be cuts like every eight to 15 seconds. It's gotta look pretty. It's gotta be interesting, eye-catching. Uh, so for me, I just went with the, like the black background because I found it it's a good contrast between the black and and you know whatever clothes I'm wearing, and it's also cool with like the light shining down and with yeah. that mm -hmm. cool like you know underground glow yeah, going right. on like you have here. So so you say color is something that's very important. Mixing in your video and thumbnails, what would you say are some colors that attract the YouTube audience very well? Um, I really like dark blues. I like maroons. I okay. like blacks. Dark grays. I, it's, I, it's your set. I <laughs> tend to gravitate more towards darker colors. Okay. All right. I, I, I would think that would be like the bright yellows and the bright reds, but do you think? Maybe for, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just. Depends on your up. audience. It depends on the yeah. Maybe it's a younger audience. And he's going to talk to you about like color yeah. for the next hour. Yeah. <laughs> when did you make the decision then to say, okay, I'm making money here on YouTube. The more videos I do, the more money I can make. The better the videos are, the more they get watched, right? So thumbnails, content, mm -hmm. hitting on hot topics. Like you jump on daily topics real fast, yeah. right? Because you understand that, that YouTube is a search platform. People are going, so they want to hear what you have to say about what might be happening right now, whether yeah. it's you know FTX or this, that, the other. You know, you're really, really quick. But then you started to branch out into other products, right? So like bankroll coffee, how did that come about? That was a subscriber's idea, believe it or not. I got a really? package. I got a package at my front door, and it was hundreds of K cups of coffee. Hundreds, like a, we're talking like a big box. And so, like a, a fan, a, someone that watches fan. your stuff. Yes, and um, found out where you lived. Yes, and this is an <laughs> old address. This is an old address, by the way. Make that clear. But sent me a handwritten letter on top of it saying that we could start a coffee company together. And he runs this other uh, platform called I think it's Cooking Panda. And um, he does these gift boxes for like every month or every week or whatever. You can get like a new box of cooking supplies or nice. like different packages. Like one could be like cool overseas candies and one could yeah, be like box Texas subscription food. business. People yeah, like exactly. that for a while. 
And so I called him up and I was like, this is really cool. It's got my attention. What is your idea? He's like, I think we could do a coffee company. It fits perfectly with your brand. Uh, we could sell direct to, cons to consumer. Come meet me at the warehouse. I'll show you exactly what we have. We have a business where he does all the back end. I do all the front end and it's fantastic. When did you launch it? Uh, I think that was two years ago, two and a half years ago. It's been a very passive business. I've really not done much active promotion, but I will say the first time I did mention it in a video, uh, we sold out in a few hours. We had, we basically stockpiled that we thought like we would be able to be good on this yeah. for like a week because we did not want to sell out because that meant that we didn't order enough, but we sold out in a few hours. And I think the total sales is like 110000 thousand dollars of coffee coffee yeah it's wild so it was and that was the did you have to ship them personally were you like no no no, no. we <laughs> we probably oversold or we sold like everything we had but it was but we ship and roast the coffee the same day so we weren't prepared to ship all the coffee at the same time and so there were some delays but they were all done within like two weeks got it uh i think it was delays to the east coast unfortunately there's but, people on yeah. the east coast yeah because we, we ship from california <laughs> yeah so it's it it's so while. interesting that you, coffee seems to be too. I mean, you and Emma Chamberlain, you have coffee brands on the internet. Mm -hmm. Have you spoken to Emma Chamberlain before? No, I would love to though. Yeah, she's yeah. so incredible. She get her yeah. on your pod. Ice you coffee hour yeah. makes so much sense. I, I think we've I think we've invited her. I'm sure she's so she's busy. So busy yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be perfect. If it's you tricky. do, I'm flying over just to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you guys both have coffee businesses related to social media. So coffee is obviously something we love in New York City. Could you break down the process of getting those coffee beans? How much really how much profit really comes from coffee very little coffee's not a good business unless you're selling really premium high-end coffee emma chamberlain does that uh the downside is that i've kind of backed myself into a corner in terms of my brand of like being cheap and frugal <laughs> and so emma chamberlain has no problem selling an 18 dollars bag of coffee or like a 20 dollars premium bag i have a very difficult time selling that because sure. my thing is like well hey listen you're gonna save money don't go to starbucks going you can make it yourself so for mm -hmm. you to all of a sudden and say but my coffee's fifty dollars yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the That'd other problem, problem is that we like we can't compete on cost when you compare it to like pete's coffee or like any like folgers could ship in such high volume that they could sell it for a fraction of ours so i kind of screwed myself a bit on that but we were able to sell now at a point where I think our margins are about 30% on what we sell. And we do an average of, I think it's anywhere from 300 to like $600 a day with 30% margins without mentioning it. Like I don't it just do exist. Just it just passive it's there in the background and it just keeps running. Uh, and then if I do mention it, you see an immediate spike. But there's not a lot of profit in that. And I think for the first year and a half year, like we purposely just ran it at break even just to get people to try it. Like, right. I don't care about like making money on this thing. I just want to continue to grow it. Sure. And so it's like, who cares if we make a little money? Like I'd rather just lower the price and give that back to the consumer. Is that something you recommend for young entrepreneurs and everything? I could do it because I could get away with it because it's not the primary business. But I think if that were like my thing and like that's what I had to make work, I, you, you can't, like you have to be profitable. Like you really should be making money from the very beginning. So I kind of want to pivot to something else. So a lot of times throughout my entire life, I've been told to get somewhere, you got to work for free. You got to give people free time. And a lot of people are super against that. Mm -hmm. They're super against uh, free internships and everything. What do you think about working for free to get somewhere? You have to, I mean, there, there's benefits and, and negatives, I think. From my experience, I've always worked for free. And I had no problem. Like, I would gladly work for free. Yeah. Uh, Doing you know, something you're passionate about. 
Yeah, I mean, even when I when I start working as an agent, I would take any work I could. For, I would be delighted if another agent says, "Hey, could you do all my showings for me in a day, for free? Just show up." I would love that. Are you kidding me? Like that's the I would learn so much. I right. get experience. So like I'm benefiting from that. Totally. Um, same with the aquarium place. Like I was initially, I didn't even think I would. I was just happy to be there, um, and just be around everything. Like I would do that for free too. Same with YouTube. Like the first year, I really. Well, actually, the first few months, I never monetized. Like, I just wanted to do it for free. I turned on monetization. I realized that it helps get more views. For the first year, I was, I think in real estate, I had made, I think, 500 grand in gross commissions that year. And on YouTube, I made 26,000. But I was spending just as much time on YouTube as it was real estate. Yeah. And everyone in the beginning told me, like, spend more time in real estate. Like, you should be able to take that 500 grand to, like, 800 this year. If you just spent that time in real estate, there's no reason. Why would you do this? I, but I would do it for free. Right. Um, I think the downside is that I had the, not the downside, but I guess the advantage that I had uh, was that I didn't, I had the resources to not need the money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the, in the very beginning, I was still living with my dad doing real, like when I was doing real estate, going to open houses, like I, I could just live at home and just pay my cost of, you know, food and groceries and right. gas and stuff like that. I don't like my overhead was so little. Uh, same when I was doing YouTube. It's I did I didn't need it, and so that I think helps when you don't need something. Uh, but I also acknowledge like I was in a very fortunate position not to, to have to you know make rent or something. Right, like that. right, right, right. But you still own property, right? I do. Yeah. And you you still purchase property? Yes, I'm waiting. Um, so I sold off two properties earlier this year that okay. I was just kind of over. I'm earlier just trying to simplify. Earlier twenty two or earlier twenty three? Twenty two. Okay, got it. Uh, about a year ago, one, and then I don't know earlier that last year. With these LA investment properties, yeah, yeah, California property, San Bernardino. Yeah, uh, just because I just didn't want I, just the management aspect, and I had a property manager on them, but it's just I want to take the money and put it somewhere else. But yep. b- besides that, I think there are six. There's six other properties: five in Los Angeles, one in Las Vegas. I want to get into commercial, and like that's my goal in the next twelve to eighteen months is like get a good commercial triple net lease. Yeah. Uh, preferably in Las Vegas, and I'm just I'm making like really low LOIs right now. So if I could get a hit, great. But like right now, I'm getting about four point four percent in treasuries. Sure. And so I feel like a good commercial property should be seven yes. percent triple net. Right. Uh, for that to make sense, so I'm just, I'm just waiting until I find a deal. Got it. Where do you keep your money right now with treasuries? Rates, where, where the rates where they are? Treasuries. Just in treasuries. Yeah, treasuries. For, for how long? They they. There's, there's two. I have half in just a money market fund okay. at 4.4, 4, and Got then it. the others just rotate on short-term treasuries. There's gotcha. a guy at Schwab whose job is just to go and do that for you. Got it. So he does it. But Got the it. money could be liquid. My understanding is that I just need two weeks, and the money could be completely liquid. Got it. Got it. It's wild. What is your best advice for protecting yourself against the high percentage of inflation right now? Uh, it's it's tough because inflation could be trending downwards, and I know people, mm-hmm. you know, have an impression that maybe it could continue staying high, or you know, I don't know. Um, really, for me, that was about just earning something than nothing. But as far as protecting against inflation, it, it's it's twofold because one, it's like you don't want to tie up money for long term in anything that's volatile just to protect against inflation. Because imagine you're like, okay, inflation's eight percent, and I need to buy gas next week and gas is going up so uh, let me invest it and then it goes down 20 percent in the market like you can't do that so like long term generally stocks and real estate are fantastic for that people recommend gold i personally i'm not a huge fan but you know maybe um 
long term, like 10, 20 years, I personally think that's great. Uh, but in the short term, I think it's just about uh, getting something on your money than nothing. And there are plenty of high yield accounts out there. Uh, good savings accounts, for instance, where it's just like earn three and a half, three point eight percent. And he would like to hire you as his personal financial <laughs> oh, yeah, advisor. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically why, why you're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that questions. you were coming yeah. here to tour Central Park Tower and do a video for it. I've never, seen, there. Perfect. I've never yeah. seen a boy so happy, mm. ever. It was like, that's cool. Happy. Um, why did you do Creator Clash? Oh, that was nuts. I made a joke a long time ago uh, when Jake Paul, or maybe it was when Logan was fighting Mayweather. Um, someone asked me, who I would fight if I were to fight anybody. It was Alex over here. And I jokingly said, well, if I would fight anyone, it would be Michael Reeves. Uh, and I had met Michael before, and like we're the exact same height. And so I thought, that would be a, a good fight. If, But I was joking. Um, and then I think later that year, Idubs calls me. He's like, hey, do you want to fight Michael Reeves? And I was like, what are the chances that's going to happen? <laughs> and it's for charity. And so I thought about it. And I was like, would I regret not doing this 20 years from now when I look back and be like just wondering what if I had done that and so I said yes and it was an experience I'll never do again um how long did you put in for it's it was uh what four five six months something like that and I was training three to four times a week usually about an hour hour and a half but then every day I wasn't training I was either on the treadmill doing cardio and like trying to dial in my diet it was wild I'll never do it again but it was a good experience what were they making you eat a lot of chicken, rice, vegetables. Um, yeah. It was getting my calories up. Apparently, I don't eat enough. Yeah. To like most people know. don't actually eat enough. Well, yeah. you have a super strict diet, right? Yeah, I still don't eat enough, but I'm also not training to fight anybody. Right. He fasts for like two days in a row. He's wild. You're not the only one who's done. <laughs> I hear a lot of people now that fast for like two days. The other guy we met up with you was saying he doesn't eat for three days every now and then. Yeah. It's like just a reset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait. So then, how was the fight? Uh, well, <laughs> Andy's going to keep taking you off into really boring subjects. Yeah. And I'm trying to get it really on right, track. Here. Chicken and rice is pretty interesting. Yeah. The fight <laughs> was the fight. It uh, it went um, definitely way different. Like I thought I had prepared mentally for this thing, and uh, I was watching all the fights from backstage, yeah, yeah. and we went on like almost last. Yeah. So like the first guy that goes in there gets like knocked out in the first like 50 seconds. The fight was 50 seconds. This guy. Gets, punched uh with the, from this guy named dad on youtube and just get pummeled and so we're thinking oh crap is this how it's gonna go and then the other guy like breaks his nose and like goes to the hospital and i'm like oh man and it's like gladiator like you know when russell crowe's in the back and like all these guys are getting yeah, sent yeah, yeah, out yeah. and like he's waiting in the back like, that's how i felt and then and everyone who comes back like is hurt and i'm like i don't want to get hurt <laughs> And so I walk out there and I was just so excited to get it over with because I had been having like panic attacks. I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous. I was really irritable. And like a week or two leading up to it, I just told everyone, do not mention it. Because anytime someone would, would talk to me about it, my heart would start You'd racing. Freak out. And I freak out. Mm -hmm. I'd throw me off for like hours of like, do not mention it. Do not talk about it. Nothing. So I was really excited going out there because I'm like, it's finally over. I'm like, 10 minutes from now, I'll be done. And, uh, I noticed, you know, everyone when they're fighting, they're putting their hands down. Everybody. And I think it's a natural reaction. You know, you punch, you put your hands down. I was like, I'm not going to do that. And this is good because, like, I see everyone before me. I'm just not going to do that. But as soon as that bell rings, you forget. Yeah. <laughs> Everything just, like, becomes a blur. And I put my hands down. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a much different experience. 
than I could have ever planned for. But it was it was a good experience. Uh, they were able to raise, I think it was like $1.6 million for charity, and nice. they're doing it again this year. So it'll be April 15th in Tampa. So I will be as a spectator. Who, who should Andy fight? No, I was just no, going to say, should we Andy should fight? fight. We should fight for charity. I will so At Central Park fight Tower. You. I will fight Andy. <laughs> you know so what? I will, I will fight you every day. You fought Dr. Mike. Because you guys are about the same height. Yeah, we are about the same height. He's yeah. done it before. He, he takes he it did, very seriously. He did last year. So he won against Ian. But then I think he lost the next fight that ah, he gotcha. did. Gotcha, but that gotcha, was gotcha. against like a, a pro. So the fact yeah. that like he even gets in a... The ring with a pro is insane. That's wild. Yeah. Who do you think I should fight? I don't know. Like a cat. A cat. Yeah, and I would put a lot of money on the cat. I'm allergic to cats, actually. So. See, I yeah. knew <laughs> that cat would scratch you. Weakness. You'd run out. You'd be like, Cody Boone, come help me. It'd be like this whole thing. So how is um uh so you have multiple channels. Yeah. You have your main channel, which everyone has known and loved for a long time. You then started the family channel. Right, the vlog channel. Yeah, I've kind of let that one go, but I post every now and then on that one. Okay, well, everyone go check that one out. Uh, and then you've got the Ice Coffee Hour. Yeah. How's that one doing financially? How much money do you make doing that? Guess. Podcasts are the future. Take take a guess on that one. Take a guess. I'll, I'll pull it up here for you. How much have we made? How, in the how often? Oh, oh, in total. All right. I'm yeah, like, you got to do in total. In total? When did you start it again? Uh, about two and a half years ago. So, I mean, you've probably broken. I need to know. Did you break half a million dollars yet? I'm not going to. Just you got to give a guess. Okay. okay. 265324 What's your guess? $486,000. All right. You're a little bit closer. $311,983.47. I'm a broker. I price high. Since <laughs> May 15th, 2020. Okay. Got it. Nice. That's so really almost good. Three years ago. Yeah. What That's about really your original good. channel? Oh, the lifetime revenue of that? Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Have you ever, if you talked about I've that? Sh- I've shared it once, once before. I think Some it was on a content. I think it was on a TikTok or a short, but that was years ago. Let's oh, make this one dramatic. Uh, Drum roll, please. This is what we need to do. How uh, much has Graham Andy's not going to talk about colors for too much longer. Yeah. On okay. YouTube in his entire yeah, lifetime. The, the main channel, just take a, you take a guess first. This oh my goodness. Just I don't channel. even know. And this is since. Uh, Andy can't count that high. Just say since early January 2017. So I know YouTube has changed a lot in terms of how much they paid since then, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'd say you've made, I don't even know. This is such a random number. Three and a half million. No. I don't know. I literally don't even know how YouTube CPM works, to be honest. Yeah, maybe you should leave. (laughs) uh, uh, I don't know. I would say I want to say I want to say ten, but I also want to say higher. Oh, but I was thinking um, with sponsorships. No, stop it! You can't no backsies. <laughs> God, Andy, no, this Jesus. is just this is just ad. I'm a broker. I don't shut up. Eight and a half million dollars. More. Close. More. Close. Whoa! What? Six million nine hundred thirty-nine thousand four hundred and one dollars. Just from pure AdSense on the lifetime revenue of that channel. Yeah. Of the main That's channel. Crazy. The main channel. Okay. Wow! I thought I was high. Yeah. That's no, I was high. Yeah, I usually. But it's interesting now. Ad rates have gone down substantially. Yeah, right, right, right. Since COVID, uh, no. So COVID, they went up. COVID, huge spike for COVID during COVID. During COVID, but I feel like since COVID, things have really changed. Uh, They've slowed down. Twenty twenty, they went down like thirty five, thirty percent, and then from twenty twenty two to now, they've gone down probably another thirty five percent. So I'd be curious what sort of numbers Google is going to be pulling in because their ad business maybe is like I, I just don't think advertisers have the budget 
that they yeah. used to like two years ago. With open AI and TikTok just eating into everybody yeah. now. But it could mean that it's a good value for advertisers because ad rates are way cheaper now than they were two years ago. Oh, yeah, so sure. I think if you're advertising, now could be a good time. And the audience is, is only growing. Yeah. Right? And I think with shorts. Yes. Shorts especially. Yeah. I'm going to convince you to do more shorts. Talk to good these shorts. guys. I talk to them all the time. They're like, well, they, well, if, well, if Graham says to do it, we'll do they it. Say they, like, they say that you don't have the time. You got to make the time for it. I'm, I'm sitting here. I haven't moved. <laughs> I'm sitting here this entire yeah. time. Okay, goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think we're actually completely out of time. Yeah. So thank you, sir. Thank you for thank being you. here. Thank Thanks you. for flying into New York. You're welcome. And doing the Business of Influence podcast. Make sure you like. Make sure you subscribe. Um, you're the best. Actually, you tell the people yeah. what to do. I did that for you. Hit the like button, subscribe, and if you do that in the next five seconds here's a picture of a baby kitten oh wow i was oh, part of this one this time yeah. there you go. There <laughs> i'm you excited for you. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, guys. thank you thank you thank oh. you cool. All right. All right, that was great